Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with ex-strength and conditioning coach at Yorkshire County Cricket and current director of Pinnacle Performance in Hong Kong, Tom Summers. Hi guys, thanks for tuning into the Pace Performance Podcast. Today I've got Tom Summers on the line. Tom offers a really interesting insight uh, into the progression from SNC into a, uh, a private facility, which he's got in Hong Kong. Tom talks about the kind of business side of things, um, his competition with CrossFit. He also gives us his views on, on CrossFit as a whole. We also delve a little bit deeper into the kind of programming side of things in cricket because we've never had that uh, on the Pace Performance podcast before. We also discuss his work with Hong Kong baseball and a lot of the athletes over there that he's currently working with in his facility. But before we get on to the episode, I'd just like to remind you to follow me on Twitter at Pacey Perform and you can keep up with uh, all, the, all that's going on in the podcast on there. You can also jump over to paceyperformance.co.uk and all past episodes uh, are on there as well. If you are iTunes listener, you can subscribe to on iTunes and get all the all the episodes that become live. If you're if you've got Android, you can jump over to a Podomatic app, so you can download that, search for the Pacey Performance Podcast, um, and you can you can listen on the go just like those on iTunes. If you want to leave us some feedback, that would be massively appreciated and share the love on social media. Uh, and if you are especially uh, generous, you can leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. But without me going anymore, here is the chat with Tom Summers. Okay, hi guys. Welcome to the Pace Performance Podcast. Today, uh, we've got a guest coming from Hong Kong in Tom Summers. Uh, got to know Tom a couple of years back. Uh, he was one of the first people that I reached out to to uh, go and have a look at what they were doing down at Yorkshire Cricket. So, as a little introduction, uh, welcome, Tom. Thank you. Uh, do you want to give us a little bit of an intro on your education, your background, and what you're currently doing? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, undergrad uh, many years ago up in Northumbria, um, then did a bit of kind of work experience as part of the course with a few clubs up there, and a bit of work with the Institute, which kind of started my uh, interest in strength conditioning and kind of figuring out the world for that. Uh, then I uh, moved and looked into going to a master's, um, which actually tied in with an opportunity to then go and work underneath Dean Riddle at Yorkshire Cricket Club. So I went down as uh, what was then an assistant role to support the first team on the travels and um, kind of help him in his, in his umbrella position and then completed a master's alongside that position as an assistant over the first couple of years and then as he went back into football and, and roles and the club changed and the, and the position grew I moved into uh, senior or lead S&C coach there which I was in position for about six years until just over a year ago. Cool so what are you doing now? So we, we got to a stage um, about 18 months ago and I, and I did a bit of work I was lucky enough to get asked to um, head out and help Zimbabwe, help the national team out there prepare for a tour of India with, with one of their, um, with the national squad. So, spent a bit of time in Africa, um, spent a bit of time out in America as well and, and, and got a bit hungry for, for something of a change. And then just seeing, having a, a meal with the wife and, and getting chatting and, and she was the same because she, she's a lawyer and 
uh, an opportunity came up for her in, in Hong Kong within the same company, um, promotion along with uh, international experience. So she took she took that, we jumped at it, and um, I just kind of thought, well, I'll, I'll try my best to land on my feet and meet the right people, and if anything else, just talk the talk and see what happens. So we arrived in Hong Kong October last year, been here just over 12 months now. Nice. So it's mm. it, you, you set up the, uh, the gym with another guy. Just talk us through a little bit about the gym itself and the kind of right. uh, the business itself. Yeah, so when when we got to when I got to Hong Kong, uh, I started making a few inquiries. Uh, strength conditioning, professional sport is um, a different concept out here. Really, There's the the rugby and the national sport are well looked after and well catered for. But other than that, the the football clubs and the basketball and baseball all really high performing squads up to the national level, but they haven't got anything of um of an individual athletic. Uh, kind of preparation facility, lots of crossfits, uh, lots of kind of globo gyms, member gyms, and, and I just got into conversation with a guy who um, hasn't got any background in in sport or strength conditioning other than a, an amateur player himself. Um, but we we just kind of started spitballing and decided to create a place that not only enables members to have a better uh, and a more individual access to to what we term strength conditioning, but but you know all the different types of resistance training or, or conditioning work. Um, and also to allow teams and athletes in Hong Kong to really kind of find a bespoke package that they could come down and whatever their sport, whatever their level, really help people with a goal that wasn't a one-size-fits-all um, resistance program that you know become quite quite widely widely accepted. Um, so we 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 ran with Pinnacle, spent some time putting together the the, the place, the systems in uh, and the marketing, and then we we ran with it. You know when. When we caught, thought of the idea and then found a place, it was it was do or die really. So we jumped in the deep end. So is it is it city based or is it a bit out of the bang in the city? Bang in the city. I mean, in Hong Kong, you can get anywhere within about forty five minutes an hour. So even if we were outside, you'd still attract people. And we've got um, you know, one of the squads we work with are the Hong Kong baseball team now, and they, on the whole, they come from a bit further afield, maybe about an hour outside the city, up, up towards the new territories and towards the Chinese border. So they individually travel to us, but, but we're in the mix. We're close to the big kind of corporate and banking and, um, and legal world where a lot of our members come out of that side of that corporate lifestyle in Hong Kong. Nice. That sounds good. Mm, yeah. yeah it's good. Uh, so, I mean, we haven't had anyone on the podcast uh, who's been involved with cricket. So would you mind just giving us a little bit of an overview on kind of what you were doing at Yorkshire Cricket and uh, the cricket guys that you've been working on in Hong Kong? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm trying to think back to about 2004, 2005, when I went into to Yorkshire with Dean. And although strength and conditioning was uh, fairly widely accepted in other sports or fitness coaches or whatever whatever the term was, in cricket it was very much new. And, and at that time, the ECB, the, the English and Cricket English and Welsh Cricket Board, had, had brought in a new incentive and a new initiative to have an SNC coach in every club. And so we were part of that, which was a huge, a huge development for the sport. But of course, you've still got senior players that have quite rightly made it to the top of the game, and, and a lot of them, you know, high-performing international players on on skill alone. And um, who are we to argue with some of the guys who are scoring big runs and uh, and not doing what scientifically maybe they should be? So it was a really difficult transition. Uh, my first main role, and you're dealing with guys who are stubborn and highly skilled and highly vocal um so cricket as a as a sport and certainly Yorkshire at the time was a, was a challenging 
uh, kind of opening gambit. But then into the sport now, and the likes of T20 and the likes of the one-day game and, and the way that the international teams are performing and even the domestic schedule is so brutal that it became a really fascinating sport to work in that you're, you're trying to make an all-round athlete. You're trying to get a guy who can be explosive and powerful for an 85-minute T20 innings, but then you're making a guy who can last on his feet for five days if he makes it to test standard um, and all the injury prevention and, and the performance gains you can get in amongst that. So huge challenges, you know, not least trying to factor in the fact that it's a highly skillful game and the guys do have to spend the time, you know, earning the right, earning the, the, the badges with the skills and, and often fitness has to fit in amongst that and, and you know, that's a, that's a challenge. Mm. I mean, I know when I came down to, to see you at Yorkshire Cricket, probably two or three years ago, two or three years ago, ago now, yeah. yeah, yeah, two or three years ago now, and we had a little sit down after and you said, oh, what did you expect? Uh, is it what you expected? I didn't have a clue what I expected. Um, yeah. but the guys were, the guys were squatting pretty heavy. They were, mm. they were doing things that I probably wouldn't, for some reason, wouldn't expect cricketers to do. Cause it get, I mean, it gets, yeah. caned, it gets caned a little bit cause most of the time they stood <laughs> yeah. around doing nothing. Um, but do you want to, uh, just give us a little bit of a bit of detail and kind of what kind of things they were doing, what kind of things you were having them do at Yorkshire and what kind of things you're having them doing in, in Hong Kong? Yeah. To be fair, Hong Kong now is at a similar similar position to where Yorkshire was probably five years ago, which you've got some really hungry players and you've got some really um, talented youth coming through, along with the, the current incumbents of the national, the first team squad, who are keen, but but maybe um, at different stages of their career. The the biggest thing we found that I wanted to, to change was that the guys at the top, couldn't their movement mechanics and their ability to, um, to produce force across different planes of movement, across different speeds and different directions just wasn't happening um so we spent a lot of time and i worked really closely with a, with a great physio scott McAllister at the time um, who's now moving to, to football actually we, we both kind of analyzed what was and wasn't going on and ultimately the guys weren't uh moving through full range of movement they weren't controlling their bodies well enough which was just inhibiting their uh kind of success in a really complex sport, you know, whether it's bowling or, or batting, whatever it is, it's asymmetrical, it's a huge challenge. So we spent a lot of time going back to basics and getting the guys to work through body weight control, which we then started challenging with the likes of the TRX and, and other ways to um, challenge that kind of stability and, and symmetry ultimately. So front to back, top to bottom, left to right was all fairly fairly balanced. And in time, we, we introduced squatting, the mechanics were always there. We, we were keen to get the youngsters doing the right things, as you know, a lot of people do the foundational work, get them working with, with light bars and get them moving through full range first. And then by the time you came in, and we, we really built a department that we were proud of where the guys weren't afraid to be, to be squatting. And, and some of the guys who worked to, to some clean work and some overhead you know, push press or split jerk work. And really trying to get that, that in season um, kind of high rate of. Uh, force development and really explode so that when they're on the field, they could they could take that into into their roles. And and Hong Kong cricket's the same at the moment. We've got we've got guys who we're we're, we're desperately trying to get just to move better, just to be able to to stand on a leg and and, and control its movement. And then we've got some guys who are a natural born athletes who are just powerhouses and and they're more suited to running with a tire behind them, or they're more <laughs> suited to throwing med balls around because 
their 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 ability to to maybe stand still and listen to somebody who wants to throw a bit of science at them is null and void. They switch off. They're they're, they're runners and they're throwers and they catch you. So, but you give them a tire and you give them you know a challenge and and you know they're all gun ho about it. So it's still that bit of persuasion, bit of kind of the carrot mixed with the stick, uh, and just making sure that the guys are are ultimately doing the foundations well first. And then as they've, what we've termed, earned the right, we then throw, you know, more complex and more individual programs at them when they, when they show competency. Mm. No, it sounds really good. Um, mm. just want to, just want to get onto your, onto your current role a little bit more. Um, you mentioned obviously competing with CrossFit quite a bit in Hong Kong. For mm. some reason, we're 17, 18, 19 episodes in and I've not spoke to anyone about CrossFit. So I'd just like to get your don't, opinion. Don't, don't make me the first. Right? <laughs> I'd just like to get your opinion because you're obviously competing against them for essentially for business. Just get your thoughts on on kind of what what CrossFit's done for SNC and and your, just your views on CrossFit. Full stop. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep my views to more of a Hong Kong base. I, I would imagine it's similar around around Europe and, and the states. What what you find in Hong Kong? I mean, there's a there's a huge number. There's ten or twelve boxes. Or, CrossFit um, facilities, which for the number of people um, kind of in gyms is, is a really high volume in a small area. But the success of it um, is that it's, it's brought people into resistance training for the general population, which I think is, is fantastic. And when you look back at maybe where the fitness industry was eight years ago, ten years ago, when Zumba and size and, uh, you know, those kind of keep fit and the Viber bars, all valid you know, in, in their place, but I love that CrossFit has brought barbell work and resistance training, especially to females and, and say to the general public who otherwise might have been stuck on a on a treadmill or just kind of doing a few bicep curls. That's a real strength of it and, and we have probably opened up our facility based on the back of what CrossFit has opened the eyes to people that squatting actually is a great way to get fit for anybody if you do it appropriate to you. My my reservation and my frustration, certainly with CrossFit in the area where we are at the moment, geographically, is that the the kind of qualification and entry to be a coach isn't strong enough. You know, you can do a two day course out here, open up your own gym, and all of a sudden you're functioning as a as a as a coach on the back of two days, which in other industries wouldn't exist. You wouldn't go to an accountant with a weekend course, um, and I think that's a really dangerous position it's in. But I know they're making changes, and I think they have already about the length of um, kind of education into being a coach. And and ultimately, I think their their prescription of exercises, when it's done well, is fantastic, and, and the results are, you know, you can't you can't compete with them. That you know, for about thirty percent of the population, the guys who are sensible and the guys who know what they can do and are responsive to that kind of training, fantastic. But as soon as you put that kind of complexity of lift and you put the pressure of time and you put the, the competition element in, you're going to find a shortcut. Of course you are. You know, we, we do it ourselves as humans every day. You, you try to find the quickest route and you can't find a quick route to doing 45 snatches against the <laughs> clock. It doesn't exist. And, and when you've got people who have maybe newer into resistance training and certainly barbell management, that's a really dangerous position and we're seeing a lot of people dropping off the back of CrossFit because they're injured or, uh, you know, they were, they were getting injured. Um, or guys who are going in and seeing this, I'm not going to call it a cult. I don't think it is. I think it's a craze. I think it's a really good craze, but it's also intimidating because it's, it's a one size fits all to some degree. And you've got to be at a certain standard to really get the, the maximum out of it. 
And if you're not, then you, you're almost dropping off the wayside. Um, and I think that's where, where CrossFit, the strengths and weaknesses lies, um, if you can say that. Mm. So how do you, how are you getting the general public to buy into your way of doing things, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than the kind of traditional maybe bodybuilder style or even CrossFit itself? Yes, I mean, the, the biggest thing that we've found, certainly, you know, Pinnacle probably wouldn't exist in, in many of the countries. What, what Hong Kong has got is really highly driven, um, probably a little bit more free income as well, but people who work hard and play hard, and they've got, they set themselves goals. We've got, you know, a lot of guys who try do triathlon, a lot of guys who rugby and girls netball, and people play sport from, from you know, um, a percentage standard much more than they do in the UK. Everyone's involved in something, which which gives everyone an instant goal and a reason to train. So when we when we found our our niche in the market, it was very much well. If you're training in a CrossFit or you go into a to a local gym and you're doing the same as everybody else, you'll get the same results. Now you play rugby, she plays netball, you're a triathlete. You've got to have to look at something of an individualization. Um, now, understandably, we're not we're not a personal training gym. You don't come in and get one on one all the time. But we've opened up specific sessions which are based on a lot of research, a lot of kind of roundtable discussions with a lot of the guys in the UK. Actually, I was honest enough and, and spent a lot of time either in the UK, flying back, or uh, over the phone speaking to guys in, in, who I respect in their positions and saying, "Look, if you were to start to bring strength conditioning to the masses, what would it look like? How many times a week would you do it? How would you would you name it? Would you do split sessions? Would you do upper body sessions, etc.?" And then we we kind of worked out our way of of getting the general public to understand the purpose behind maybe a power session each week, a strength session each week, and then more of a symmetry, more of a body weight session. Um, we then tiered the programs, so you're not coming in as a beginner and being pitched against a guy who's got 10 years' experience and, and is maybe playing high-level uh, basketball or high-level rugby. And similarly, that rugby player isn't then working against, you know, maybe more timid or, or new-to-the-gym female who just wants to, you know, lose a bit of weight and, and tone up a bit. So you very quickly find your pockets of the population who enjoy working together. And and what's really great about this facility is that we've got the likes of the Hong Kong cricket team and the baseball team and, and some sports teams who train in amongst uh, our general public. So income income the girls and the guys who are just wanting to get fit, but there's no more motivating a place to do it than guys who are, who are really working for purpose. It, it sucks you in. It's an infectious place to, to train when, when you're in the right times. So you mentioned the, the baseball. Again, there's a, there's a lot of first going on in this, uh, in this chat, but talk about your, your kind of programming for the baseball guys. Baseball's one of the moments that we're really trying to uh, delve into. Um, we're, we're, almost, we're, we're barely scraping the surface. It's, it was the first team I started to work with. I made contact within a few weeks of getting out here and uh, got invited to go and meet the head coach and I just did a few warm-ups. Well, same as we all do. You land on it, you know, on the doorstep of the club, and they go, oh, yeah, you lead the warm-up. You, you do this. And you're trying to get the players to buy and enjoy it. Big language barrier with the baseball. They are, you know, predominantly Cantonese-speaking. So we've got a – that's a great challenge. It's great fun. But it also means that when it comes to putting anything periodized in place and maybe a bit more scientific, we've got to take a bit of a careful step. And if anything, we've got to hold back. So at the moment, we're doing a lot of work on just teaching them the, the foundational lift. So we're doing a lot of split work. We're doing a lot of work on shoulder protection because these guys throw at phenomenal speed. And they, they, you know, they're in the top 
top 10 in Asia, I think the 20, 22nd in the world. So they're, they're high level athletes, but they don't have any consideration of how to prepare before they throw or how to, you know, that before we got involved, they weren't even recording number of throws a week, which is a really simple thing that every thrower, every runner, every cyclist should be looking at is what volume are they doing and, and how do they rate it on an intensity level. So we brought that in place and at the moment it's very much a, we're sitting and, we're, and individual players are coming to us and going, I've got this problem or I want to work on this and, and we're just kind of giving them the tools. We've not yet got a full program in place um, and we're hoping that 2015 will be a time that we can really support them off the back of a, of a reasonable Asian game they've just had but We'd really like to to get even deeper in with, with the baseball and really try to um, find some new levels for them. So them guys full-time, the baseball lads? Baseball aren't. Baseball, a lot of them are in education. A lot of them actually in, in universities around the world. So we, we do a bit of communication with guys in the States or maybe in Taiwan, Japan, which is huge for baseball out here. So we, we, we just keep an eye on what they're doing. And ultimately, you know, they're in good programs out there, you know, far accelerated programs than what we're offering because they've been doing it for years. Um, the other guys are at school or they may be coaches themselves so they're, they're paid to be part of the association but not paid to be athletes mm-hmm. uh, the cricket guys are full time there's a, there's a group of 8, 10 guys who are, who are paid contracted and then there's again the, the guys who are in the training squads you know similar to, to a lot of um, kind of your, your medium level pros uh, on, on a contract basis just to um, yeah Last little little bit. Um, you were one of the first guys that kind of set up the S&C forum at Yorkshire Cricket, which is, there seems to be quite a lot going on now. But just before you left uh, the UK, what was your pers- perspective on the state of uh, S&C in the UK? You know, when you sent me the email of the question through, and, that's, and, and I was kind of thinking on that one, what I, what I loved, and I, you know, I set up the forum on a really selfish note because cricket and, and most of us, to be fair, in strength and conditioning, working really... Uh, isolated position where you don't have people around you so you're not maybe like an accountant who's got a, a table you know an office with them so you, you find yourself chewing ideas and, and, and having to you know do a lot of work on your own so the forum and, and the podcast you know which is great to be involved in and other other avenues are great ways to share ideas and, and I absolutely loved where strength and conditioning was when I left and, and you know still involved it was people are happy to share their ideas people aren't um you know, uh, hiding secrets. They're not people who are, um, you will, you know, I'm not going to tell you, you've got to figure it out for yourself. And, and the sports that I worked in, especially, was really open. Uh, I'm not sure it's like in football. I would imagine it might be a bit different. But but the coaches that, that we managed to interact with and network with, and, and I remember the likes of Ian Pike coming down and, uh, you know, the likes of Daz Roberts, you know, big, big players with big roles. Who were more than happy to share their work because they they accept it's not a trade secret they were they were just engaging really well with who they were working with and they were happy to share it i think that's a real value which i hope never changes and that we understand our position in supporting athletes and um, and learning from each other if, if we can all say one or two things then you're going to absorb a lot more from other people than you actually give away um, I, my, my one fear, and I, and I think it's certainly evident out here, is that strength and conditioning is clearly a, a buzzword. It's clearly a buzz um, career, and people are coming out of universities now, and you know, PE teaching and those kind of things aren't the only routes for strength for, for sports science degrees. People are, are working with athletes, and, and actually, Dad on your podcast made a really good point that 
people shouldn't just strive to work with pro athletes. They're, there's a huge number we're working with, a lot of amateur Ironmen competitors, a lot of golfers, a lot of people who, yeah, their day-to-day jobs are in the suit, but they're really avid athletes at their level. And, and I personally now get a lot more satisfaction in working with somebody who wants to be with me and, and gets up at five in the morning to come down and train with me instead of the players who maybe have to be there because it's a Monday morning and they've got a, a regeneration session. So strength and conditioning is, is a lot broader, and I think it's getting broader by the day. Um, I hope it continues to, to offer a network to share, and coaches are always in a position to, to, to host conferences and blogs and share ideas. But I also hope that we stay really strong on what strength and conditioning is and, and you know, understand that it, it is a little bit more than you guys have done a six-week personal training course. Um, and I think that's a difficult, everyone can say they're a strength conditioning coach and there's only a couple of governing bodies around the world that, that actually credit you. Is that your term? Are you a strength conditioning coach if you've got that badge? Are you one if you're working with an athlete? I don't know the answer, but I just think it, we've got to be careful that we're not just accepting strength conditioning as um, the new personal training. Really. Mm. No, that's really good. I mean, you obviously set up the, the uh, York Crescent Sea Forum. You said for quite quite selfish, um, you know, quite selfish basis. But mm. wh- is there any other little um, ways that you kind of you reached out to people uh, opposed, you know, apart from the uh, SNC Forum, that you kind of encourage people to to kind of jump on board with. The, the biggest thing, I, I was lucky, um, and I, you know, everyone knows Dean Riddle. Um, I was lucky enough to work alongside him and, and still stay in close contact with him, now he's in the States. He, the way he managed his time was really valuable, and I, and I think that's where podcasts now come in place. Here. Dean would never have a car journey without speaking to somebody. Well, it's, it's um, just stop me there, Tom. He actually did the podcast uh, about episode eight or nine, and he was on, the, on his way to work in the car. So exactly. there you go. <laughs> you know, that's you know the, the first trip I ever did with him, and I'm this little timid, twenty uh, three year old guy just out of university trying to forge my way. And I spent the first hour and a half in a car with him ever, listening to him talking to other people on the phone, and thinking, "What's this guy doing? You know, <laughs> let's talk about something." He spends his time networking. Dad Roberts, they spend their time talking to people, and and it's not just you know a case of you know it, it's never anything more than just a casual chat, but you learn something. And I think the, the biggest thing you can do is, like you did, find something you're interested in, find find a sport that you, either you've no idea about or you actually have an interest and, and want to get involved in, call somebody and go down and see them and, and make your own opinion. And ultimately, it is a it is a world of who knows who. Mm. Um, doesn't get your job anymore, and quite rightly so, but it, it certainly gives you a chance to learn. There's so many guys out there doing so many great things. Pick up the phone, pick up the email, find them on the internet, find them on Twitter. Um, and I think that'd be the one thing I would say is, is don't be afraid to actually get in touch with people who either in the jobs that you want or also just working in the sports that you think you can learn from because it's, if you, if you do spend a lot of time just in your own little world and, you know, not even, not even kind of journals and they're, they're great, but speak to the guys who are doing it on the, on the front line and you learn a lot more from watching other coaches and speaking to them than you do from reading in a book, in my opinion. Mm, totally agree. That leads us quite nicely on to where can people keep in touch with what you've got going on? Um, events, the, projects, social media? Uh, social media, we are on Twitter. We're um, at HK Pinnacle. Um, and then the, the best thing is we're on pinnaclepperformance.hk, 
which is our website. Have a look on there. It's got um, bios of myself and and um, Adam, our assistant uh, S&C coach out here. Uh, it's got the team we work with. It's got the different the different sessions, and I would love people who are, who are, have opinions and thoughts. And there are so many guys out there who are working with with the public as well and working on the spot. Way in, you know, we're in a bit of an insular world out here. We spend a lot of time and are careful to make sure we're we're looping in this world. This is fantastic to be involved in. We listen to podcasts. We you speak to guys on the phone, and we 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 get lost in in this Asian world. So you know, anybody have a look, send us some ideas, new exercises. Um, please do find us and, and get in touch. So there's videos on there of what you what you're doing with the guys. We're building that. We're building nice. that. We've, we've just started. We just started bridging a bit of work on the website. Um, we just we just launched a couple of videos just for some like yoga and, and some of the circuit work we're doing. But yeah, there's certainly links and plenty of photos. Facebook is massive out here, so there's loads of videos on. We've got a big sled out here and the ropes and uh, you know some of the sessions. A bit more with the with the public and with our members than with the teams, just because of uh, a few confidentiality things and just behind closed doors from the coaching's coaches' requests, but. Uh, there's still loads to go at, and if anybody wants to chat in terms of you know what we may be looking at and how we work with the different guys, and then then get in touch. And at the moment, it's a it's a day by day um, kind of live and learn and make mistakes and, and learn from them from where we're coming from. No, that's brilliant. I'm sure it'll be. Uh, I'm sure you'll get people dropping your line and and give, giving yeah, you input, so. giving you their input. Stay, stay in touch. We get lonely out here. Yeah, so, yeah, too right. Stay. It's a claustrophobic but lonely city, so yeah, don't forget about us. No, that's cool. I mean, that's that's been uh, it's been half an hour, so I'll I'll round I'll just wrap up a little bit and just thank you for your time. Uh, I know you've got obviously. So it's twenty five to five out there. Twenty five to five, yeah. We've done Wednesday now, so um, just prepping. We've got a few teams in tonight, so nice. uh, It worked perfectly. Yeah, study your day, middle of mine. Yes, exactly. Like we've discussed, it's a it's a long day ahead. Um, So. So yeah, thank you very much for your time, um, and I will. I'll speak to you shortly. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks very much. Okay, mate. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning into the Pace Performance Podcast. As Tom mentioned, you can go over to PinnaclePerformance.hk to have a look at his website and all the things that he mentioned in our chat. If you want to keep up to date with everything that's going on the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at PaceyPerform. You can also download the Podomatic app and search for Pace Performance Podcast, and that's for the Android guys, and you can listen on the go. Those that are iTunes, you can download iTunes uh, and stream it straight from there. And don't be afraid to share the love on social media as well. And I will speak to you in the next episode.